Welcome to the Station House Podcast. I'm here with uh, Jesse, or his other name is Uncle Jesse. Um, today, we's, uh, we have a very special, um, well, very sad, but very uh, um, special day because today is a 9-11 special um, episode, and I'm here with uh, Jesse, and uh, how you been, Jesse? I've been good. Um, it is a very solemn day here in, a, in America, and uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a tough day for a lot of us. Mm, yeah, I know. For, I mean, for me, I was very young when it happened. Uh, I was probably, I think I was in second grade. I think it was second. You were in second grade? Oh, I don't even remember. Oh, my, I think you were in diapers, probably. The uh, no, 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 I mean, I'm I'm 30. <laughs> the only thing I remember, so let's talk about that day. So the only thing I kind of remember was I was in like in school, and uh, they had us in the auditorium for a while. I didn't know what 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 like what had happened, and uh, my my mom picked me up like many hours later. And then I saw it on TV. That was like my memory, kind of a 9-11. Um, but I know you're a little older, so I know that you have more, uh, obviously, recollection. And, and I think you lived in Manhattan at the time, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Well, yeah. Well, actually, I was living in Brooklyn at the time. Uh, but I was, uh, my parents lived in Manhattan. And I was actually, I was working in Manhattan that day. And uh, I was living in Brooklyn. I had It's funny because I had just passed by the towers maybe a half hour before, because I used to come out of the Battery Tunnel, go up the West Side Highway to my job at the Intrepid. I was working at the time. And, uh, it, you know, I, I used to pass the towers every single day. It, and the light would always actually catch me on, like, Chamber Street. So I was actually stopped in, and, you know, right near the towers. And it, that day was, you know, well, that day was no different until, of course, later on. Mm. So were you affected by any... Like any family members was effectively involved in this in the nine eleven. Uh, well, I wasn't affected. I I didn't know. Uh, you know, I didn't lose anybody. Uh, thank God, I didn't lose anybody. I, I, I actually, I had a friend that worked there, but she was due to work at four o'clock, and you know, they, obviously, she didn't go to work. Uh, but uh, no, I I was fortunate not to lose anybody during nine eleven, but. Uh, it was, it hit me and it, I, you know, I have it in the back of my mind, my head as if it was yesterday. I can't believe it was 22. Today, I, when I heard it was 22 years, I just can't believe it. I still can't believe it uh, because it's so blended in my, in my mind. Uh, like I said, I had, I had driven there about maybe a half hour before and I got to work that morning. It was a nice, cool morning, September morning. Uh, I was actually holding roll call at my job with the security staff uh, when, uh, a bookkeeper, she came in and she said an airplane crashed into the World Trade Center. Now, she was like kind of, I don't know. <clears throat> so I figured, she, I said, what is she talking about? An airplane? The first thing I thought was, you know, small plane, stuff like that. And um, then I went, dismissed the guys from roll call, went into the, my, my boss was in a meeting. I went into the office, turned on the TV, and yes, they, they said an airplane had crashed into the World Trade Center. Uh, you know, and, and like, I'm pretty sure like every New Yorker just thought it was an accident. Uh, but and then, of course, 
moments later, the second tower, and that's when it really hit us, hit me. Um, you know, we were under attack. We were under attack. And, uh, you know, we went with the, all the bosses were in a big meeting, a staff meeting. We had to go interrupt the meeting and tell them, you know, this is, this is crazy. This is America's under fire. And, uh, I'm watching TV and, uh, I remember about an hour later, the FBI, uh, drove into the place, it was lights and sirens, cars and cars after cars. And they requested to take over the Intrepid Museum, you know, which is an aircraft carrier docked in the West Side, and it's pretty big. So the FBI requested to take over as a command command cell, and they set up computers and desks and all that stuff. And they locked down the place, they shoved a garbage truck in front of our place with sandbags and armed guys out there, and you know, everybody, all the staff from the museum was uh, was dismissed. It was sent home. Uh, people were jumping on uh, circle line boats and and whatever boat could get them out of New York to Jersey, out of New York, because New York was under under you know under fire. And uh, we, uh, I I actually was stuck at work for two weeks. I I, I worked at the Intrepid. And I was there for twenty four hours. We were just hanging out. Basically, the security staff had to stay there. And we, uh, you know, I slept in my car for two weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, we, every time we ordered food, we had to you know, go out and meet the guys because there was armed guys out there making sure because the FBI wasn't. What the FBI was doing at the, at the Intrepid was they were collecting information, leads. And then so often you would see them zoom out in cars and then come back. And, and they were looking at leads because... You know, nobody in the beginning know what the hell was going on. It was just a lot, a lot of confusion. So that's basically uh, what I did. And, and the Intrepid served once more, uh, you know, served the U.S. once more. Because the Intrepid, as you know, was a wartime ship and served in uh, World War II, Korea, Vietnam. And it was decommissioned and then set up as a museum. But once again, it came out and uh, it served. Uh, it served America once again. So, uh, I mean, like I said, I remember like it was yesterday. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, um, obviously, when you when you heard about it, and um, did you actually went to the to the site afterwards, or? Uh, yeah, uh, I believe about two days later, I went to the site with my boss. It was a we was a retired uh, detective and the uh, director of operations from the Intrepid. And we went down there uh, to see what was going on and to see offer our help in any way. And it was a war zone. We got there and uh, the whole area, of course, was closed down. It, it, they they were, had tables, they were giving out paper masks. You know, nobody knew the danger at the time, you know, the asbestos in the air. They were just giving out those paper masks. And you put on a mask and that the air was very heavy and they had tables set up with water and snacks and, you know, granola bars and stuff like that. Uh, and we went in there, and and it was, it was a sight that I would never forget. It, I mean, it was a war zone. It was a typical war zone. There was this dust in, in the air and on the floor in the streets. It was thick. It was thick. It looked like snow actually. It was all this white dust on the floor. Everybody was all dusty. Uh, the cars were dusty. We walked through the area. Uh, they had a spot where they were piling up the cars uh, as with cranes, just taking the cars. And, and they even had a fire truck that was crushed by the towers. And it was, it was you know, it, there was a car actually that was there 
with the lights still on. It's piled up on top of this thing. Um, we walked or in the area that we saw office buildings with the windows blown out. Um, and you could see one picture that I always have in my mind is that I saw this desk and the, the a lady's purse was on the desk and her shoes and everything. So you could imagine that this lady probably got up and ran so fast out of the building that she left her purse and her shoes. And that's the image I was, I, I'll never get out of my head that what went through this lady's head when she had to rush out and left, you know, she had, she probably had sneakers on, but she had her business shoes. She left them there. She left her purse behind. Uh, people just got up and ran, you know, and uh, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, like I said, it was a war zone, and, and you, you had to you had to be there to live it and to see, uh, you know. And, and it's something that you know sometimes comes back uh, as a nightmare. And you know, it, it's it's uh, it really, it really, it really. And to this day, it's affecting people not only physically but also mentally. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who still are suffering not only physically, like I said, but also mentally from the after effects of 9/11. Mm, yeah i um so i was reading something today that popped up on my on my uh, social media of this uh nypd auxiliary police officer his name was um michael dorian dorian so um so that that uh, that auxiliary officer is famous because he was there um like as soon as it happened, assisting to like for the cleanup for Ground Zero, and later on he had he he had gotten cancer, but the city didn't want to help him because he didn't have any proof he was there, so he was um, fighting and and trying to get this um, uh, aid from them until he found evidence of an interview he had on 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 like on the news. Days after it happened, and that was the evidence they he needed, and they actually finally gave him um, assistance and stuff like that. And he ended, I think, he ended up dying today or yesterday wow. of it. Um, so it's actually on my social media. <clears throat> so whenever you get a chance to look at my story, and you actually see his his story and stuff like I mean, that. Um, like I said, there's, there's a lot of people still suffering from it today, and and you know, um, it's a funny way the thing you mentioned that because. My boss, uh, there, there was a uh, fund set up to uh, not to give them money, but to uh, have them like checked out, like given the physical every six months or every year to make sure that you know the cancer and all that related from 911. Uh, and my boss applied for it, and so did my my other boss, who was the director of operations at the Intrepid. And they needed somebody to vouch for them that were there. And I took pictures. I have pictures, actually. I was looking for them before, but then I changed my mind. But I do have pictures. So I had pictures of them being there. So I uh, they sent me some paperwork, and I had to vouch for them. So each, so my 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 operations boss, myself, we vouched for my director of security, and the director of security vouched for his boss and me. So I vouched for both of them, and they were supposed to send me some paperwork. To have myself checked out every year and everything, and that didn't happen. So, uh, I mean, I have a lot of health issues. I have, you know, I, I don't know. It could be related to that. Uh, you never know. I, I know a friend of mine that lives in the area where I live now, and I was there at the time, uh, came out with prostate cancer, and he just 
recently received a lot of award of money because uh, his lawyers proved that it was related to 9-11. Uh, so, uh, and I have my own health issues, so God knows maybe something, but I was left out of it. But yeah, there's a lot of people who were affected by it and not getting the benefits that they should. And, you know, I was on it, I was on it twice. So God knows what I breathed, you know, I didn't have the mask on and everything. It was just nobody knew what was in that those bills. You know, nobody knew about asbestos and all these chemicals and stuff in the air. Everybody was just, it was warm. People were taking their masks down. So, you know, we don't know. But a lot of people were affected in the area. I know, God, thank God I didn't live in the area where I live now because I would have been right behind the towers. Uh, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of people who, were, who got lucky. And like I said, uh, got into this program with uh, where doctors checks them every year, make sure. Uh, but I was left out of it. So that point. But also you don't even have to live there because all that smoke travels. It oh, traveled yeah. to the five boroughs. So you it traveled for miles, for miles. Uh, and for days. Because the fire the the buildings burned for, for days and weeks. Um uh, from the heat just kept flaring back up. So uh, but you know, they left me out. So, hey, what are you going to do? But uh, that was uh, something that I thought I would never live in. I thought it was a dream. And, and I remember cell phones were off and I couldn't get, I couldn't get in touch with my parents. Um, uh, you know, you couldn't, you could, you can come into New York, but you couldn't, you, you could leave, but you couldn't come in. So my boss actually had to uh, pick up my other boss and show his badge. He was a retired detective and stuff to get him back into the city because they were they were telling people leave the city, but you know you don't. They didn't want anybody coming in. Uh, but uh, I was out, I was able to leave about uh, maybe three or four days later. Uh, they started the trains slowly, and I was able to get on the train and go to. Uh, I lived in Bay Ridge at the time, and I was able to get to Bay Ridge and get some clothes and stuff. And then I went to my boss's place that he lived in uh, near there, Bensonhurst, I think. Um, and I picked up. Picked up a suitcase for him and brought it back. And we spent, uh, you know, we spent two weeks there and we got bored and we had to start, you know, entertaining ourselves and, and having fun the best we can and uh, trying to get our minds off what, what was happening. Because, it, I mean, it was, you know, the world was, uh, America was under attack. And we always talk about the 9-11. You know, it's, it's a shame that we, we they forget about the other two planes that crashed, the Pentagon and, and the ones in the, in, in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, we often forget about those people who also lost their lives. You know, everybody always talks about 9-11, nobody tends to forget about that. That's a shame. But, we, you know, there was two other planes. Um, aside from the two that hit the World Trade Center, there was two other ones. One which we think that was heading toward the White House and the other one that hit the Pentagon. So, yeah. Is... um. When I was in the uh, police academy, they had um. So okay, um. So I started right in September. It's kind of crazy, but I started my career as a police officer as September eleventh, seventeen. So it's kind of crazy how I. That's my, you know, on uh, this day. I started uh, many years ago as a police officer, but um, what I was gonna say, um, but uh, all right. So in your case, right, 
when you went back, obviously, to uh, to uh, being a, a, a auxiliary police, right? How was it? Because I remember, supposedly, they gave them um, security, um, they gave them powers of authority because it was like a terrorist attack or something like that. Uh, How did that get... Uh-huh. Well, well, unfortunately, I couldn't. I couldn't be down there as an auxiliary because I was, like I said, I was stuck at the at my job, so I I wasn't able to go there and, you know, perform my auxiliary duties because I my job wouldn't let me because I was stuck at my job. But um, I, they, I think the mayor something declared power of, you know, because that's what they do in the time of the auxiliaries in time of war in time of. Of uh, man-made disasters and stuff like that, this, this, the uh, the governor and the, the mayor has a right to declare and change the status uh, as an actor. A lot of people don't know that the re- that the reason, so the reason why, um, pretty much volunteer police in America started was in World War Two because everybody was shipped to uh, to war and they needed um, somebody to to protect the city. While the officers go uh, to war, so that's pretty much the origins. If yeah, I'm not mistaken, uh, right? It started out as a, as civil Whoa. defense. A lot of people yeah. don't know that, but if you go to uh, history, actually in headquarters in uh, exhibit headquarters in Queens, you know, they have an original badge, a shield, and it says CD on it. It stands for civil defense, and, and it was for times of war. You know, like uh, they used to have. Uh, you probably you would never remember this, but they had drills where people where the kids had to get underneath their desk. Uh, um, bomb, you know, bomb raids and stuff like the practice and uh, uh, fallout shelters. So some of the old buildings, uh, I remember when I grew up, there was signs and it was said fallout shelter. And what that meant was uh, if there was, if there were bombing, bombings taking place, you had to go hide out in a, in a fallout shelter. You know, America has changed a lot, but uh, it was in those days. So in 1952, uh, I think it was President Truman who signed into effect uh, an act that every state of New York City, of, of New York, uh, of America, every state of America has to have a, an auxiliary police force. Uh, in one way or another, in some states they call them reserves, uh, auxiliaries, some of them are, you know, some are armed, some are not, uh, but they're mandated, every state is mandated to have some kind of police reserve for times of war and times like this, like 9-11, we have to have that kind of reserve. And that, that's signed into effect uh, by President Truman in 1952. A lot of people don't know that history of you know, the auxiliary program. And it started out as civil defense and then it integrated into the police department. And throughout the years, it's gotten, you know, we've gotten bigger. So it's over 5,000 members right now. And it, it's uh, it's the size of a lot of, uh, bigger than a lot of small towns in, in you know, in America, uh, the, the auxiliary police force. Yeah, so what, so what changed from before 9-11 to after uh, the program. Like, like, because when I was there, right, um, sadly, but every time a NYPD police officer gets murdered, killed, you know, however you want to call it, they always had some type of, like, like, um, they always had different rules coming into play. So I know that's a very uh, traumatic situation, obviously, 9-11, so what changed, like, when when you went back, like, was there any type of rules? Did they did they tell you guys to go over there? Like, what was it 
Well, like, what, you know what I'm saying? Like, what changed the program? I didn't know if I, I didn't notice too much changes. I know that I was out of the program for I don't know for a while, and it, you know we came back. Uh, but they did. Uh, we did. We did some training. Uh, I remember going to uh, actually Fordham University. Uh, we took some training, terrorist train, basic training of terrorism. Uh, we were issued uh, the mask. You know, they, we didn't have that mask before, and uh, you know, uh, in case of chemical warfare, whatever, the auxiliaries, the police will issue the mask, and then the auxiliary force fought for mask, and now we have also those masks in case there's some kind of chemical uh, you know, thrown in the place, we have that mask put on it, and we were trained in, in how to put on the mask and what to do with the mask, you know, it's, uh, so that was part of the equipment that we were given, and we were given some kind of course, like I said, in Fordham University about, uh, about terrorism. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like. A lot of people don't know that those masks. Well, they updated now. I see yeah. them now. Before yeah. the the mask was like this big. It was like a brick. Um and um. Well, the mask are definitely you, uh, the mask is so you can get out. That's what we were taught. It's funny. Fifteen I, minutes, right? The guy who's training minutes. us told us it's like ten minutes of, of the mask, and he says it's a get the hell out mask. He says. If your partner's on the floor, he's probably dying already. He says, get the F out. Uh, he says, the mask is for you to get out. He says, just leave everybody. Be, you know, Don't try to help somebody who's already on the floor choking to death. He says, it's, it's, get, true. it's, it's for yourself. It's, you know, get, the, get the F out, and, and that's to save yourself. And you got 10 minutes on that mask, and that's it. And the mask, yes, it, uh, like you just mentioned, those masks have to be updated every couple of years because they go bad. And... Uh, I'm pretty sure some of the auxiliaries have walking out with masks that are outdated. I know. I think we yeah. have masks. We have masks that's outdated, just like we had yeah. vests that were outdated. Now the the, the vests were, were were we got new vests now, but you know it, it takes a disaster, unfortunately, to you know get these things into place. And and the one thing I remember about the mask, oh my god, um, I hated it. It, it kind of gave me nightmares. And you still academy. got. You're supposed to carry it. I don't carry a mask. The 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 hole you got to put your head in is literally a size of a quarter, yeah. size of a quarter. And you got it's too crazy. Oh my god, it, it's crazy and it's heavy on your belt, and uh, that's why no one wants to carry it. I don't I don't know any of my guys carry it anymore. I don't carry one, you know. <clears throat> so I uh, I mean I obviously haven't seen no. Hold your breath and run. Either. Hold your breath and run. You got 15 yeah. minutes, that's it. Yeah. yeah, with the master, you got 10 to 15 minutes, you're dead. But it's uh, it's a shame the way that America changed. Uh, it's something that, um, you know, like I was looking at, like, when we were attacked in Pearl Harbor, you know, 9 11 is my Pearl Harbor, my generation's Pearl Harbor. You know, all oh, the older people remember that. that Dreadful day, and, and, you know, when Pearl Harbor was attacked, um, and I remember 9-11. So that's, that's my Pearl Harbor, and I hope that it never repeats itself. They say history repeats itself when we learn from our mistakes, but unfortunately, we didn't learn from, that, from Pearl Harbor, and it happened again, and, you know, and we just have to be alert. It's just one of these things that people, unfortunately, people go on living and acting like everything's back to normal and you know that's when they tend to forget and st stuff happens 
It's it's um I don't know what I would what I would do. Like especially those um officers that survived when they were trapped in there what for like four days I think it was with no food or nothing. Yeah. Um it's crazy to think that uh that I I remember that um all right, so the, there was a story I remember many years ago that became famous. It was all over the news. And these firefighters was like um rescuing people from the from the top floors. And it was I think it was six of them. Out of their whole platoon or or whatever you want to call it, only six survived because of one lady. I don't know if you remember this um black lady, she wanted to give up. She was in the stage, she said, Listen, I can't no more. And they all stopped for her and walked her down slowly. By the time they hit, I think, um, the sixth floor or whatever floor it was, because of her, they all survived because that floor stayed intact. So stories like that is kind of like, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stories, a lot of heroes and people, and a lot of sad stories. I mean, the stories that hit me are the ones that people jumped out the window. <laughs> I mean, you can imagine. And you're so desperate that you jump out the 80th wind, the 80th floor window. I mean, it's it's got it takes a lot for you to jump out. You you know you're gonna die one way or another. You and you, the intense the intensity of the flame and the, the heat. People were jumping. You know, people were just you, people were seen jumping off the side of the buildings, the 80th floor, 70th floor, floors that you knew you wouldn't take a stand, but it, you knew you were gonna die one way or another. So those are stories that really hit me. You know, like wow, it takes a lot for you to open the you know. To just walk up to a window and jump out. I don't know if I, I don't honestly. I don't know. Well, I, I think when do. that flame would hit you, your butt, you uh, you jump out the window. You jump I don't out. know what That's, I would do, man. I, just, I mean, I don't sound to be funny, but you will jump out the window. I think when the heat is on you, you know, it's uh, it's crazy the thought of it. Uh, just the thought of the fact that you have to pick, you have to pick or something. I mean, just imagine know, people that were working and looked out the window. That's what gets me. That's another picture. That gets me. You're standing at your at your desk. You're doing. You're working on your computer and you turn to your right or whatever and you see a big huge plane coming at you and there's nothing you can do imagine that i mean it, it had to be quick but just imagine those last thoughts that you have when you see a big giant airline not even a small plane an airline heading toward your window and you have nothing to, you know you have nothing to uh you have nothing to say you have nothing to do you have nowhere to go that's that's and that, uh, that's crazy and that and that fire that you mentioned um, it was so because of the fumes and the gasoline yeah, or the jet whatever fuel. you call that. The jet fuel burns at high temperatures. It was so hot that about what, like ninety nine percent of people evaporated. Like they people evaporated. Evaporate. People evaporated, and and that's what caused the buildings to collapse as well. The heat, the the buildings probably would have survived. They say with just the plane going right through, but the heat. Of the of the uh, jet fuel made the the uh, metal uh, buckle because remember World Trade Center. I was there. I remember when the World Trade Center was built. Wow, I'm going way back. But I remember as a kid when they were being built, and I remember when they opened up. Um, and you know, it was all steel. And this was like one of the first times that they start creating a building. You know, building it like this, and the, they just buckled and and imploded. Not exploded, but imploded. And that's what caused the buildings to collapse. The, the heat. The beams just couldn't take it. It just collapsed, um, which was good in one way because if it would have exploded, it would have destroyed 
you know, blocks and blocks of, of buildings and everything else and people. Uh, so all of it just imploded inward. Um, the top, the top came down and just went straight down. And um, but it, you know, it's uh, today, like I said, I'll never forget. You know, and today when I woke up this morning, I was like, wow, you know, this is nine eleven. I actually was, I was gonna go over there, but I said I changed my mind because uh, um, I didn't want to see the news. They were reading out the names and everything. I just. Uh, you know, it's one of these things you want to try to. Uh, I know people should always remember, but you know, it's one of these things you try to put in the back of your head and and hope that it never happens again. And um, yeah, it's uh, when I went to the to the, the nine eleven museum in my academy when I started. Um, they had it's a us, tough museum um, to go to. It's a tough museum. I, I it was my first time going in there. And uh, I just felt like it was weird. So it is. So we so we had to write a paper of what 9/11 meant to us in my academy, and then you know stuff like that. I, I remember. Um. So so we actually went to the, to the museum, and I may sound crazy, but I felt everything. I felt. Uh, like even pictures of the of the people who died, I felt the energy. It was it was crazy. I, I couldn't. Yeah, I'm even pretty walk sure. I'm pretty sure that there's, there's energy left behind in those. No, uh, there is in no, the they, area. They, they, no doubt about is. it. And um, that, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but today I was watching the well, the little bit I saw in the news. They talked about uh, the museum, and they they have this way down under. They have like this vault where they still have uh, pots. Of people who have never been identified, and the uh, the medical examiner work, <laughs> works works in it from time to time. They trying to still try to find you know identify bodies, and what's going on is the family wants wants to give them a proper burial, and they have these. I don't know. I saw it was crazy in the news. I didn't pay too much mind to it, but from what I was what I heard was that they have the, some some of these things in, in boxes and stuff laying down in this vault all the way down in the in the the new building, the museum, um, and people want want to get you know want whatever's left so they could bury it and put it somewhere where they can go to it, you know, and they're fighting and they've gone they've gone to all kind of politicians and everything, and no, nobody's been able to help them and they want their they want these things back given to families and stuff, and for some reason it's still sitting in that in that vault down in the bottom of the museum. It's crazy. I just heard that for the first time today in the news. So, yeah, uh, it's it's, it's very, it has a, it has like a lot of energy in there. Uh, there's a room, there's a room in there that um, it has like pictures. But when I walked in there, it's like best way to describe it. It's like I walked into a room, and there's nobody there, but you feel people's energies there for the pictures and it's like it's like they're following you it, it's like there there's so many people around you that like that, that like you can't even breathe now i don't really like talking about this a lot because a lot of people don't believe it or vice versa but um i'm an empath what that means is uh you know i i, I sense energy and 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 you know, if you believe it or not, spirits and stuff like that. The minute I walked in there, it was just so many, I want to say, people 
around me, but they weren't around me. It was insane. Like I had to walk out. Because everywhere I go, it's like they were like lost. It's like they're like, it's just, it's crazy. I never been there back again. It was so intense, especially a certain room that they had their pictures all over the place. Of course, and it, it's like they were surrounding you. It was insane. I, I I literally had to walk out. And I mean, even the, the the thousands of people lost, and 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 people who were never found. You know, people who were vaporized, people who were just it turned into dust. I mean, it just that those people, those souls. You know, that's if you believe in that stuff, it it it, it souls inhabit. You know, inhabit that area where they last were were last, where they're not resting in peace. I'm pretty sure the, the souls. You know, they're not resting in peace. They died too early. It wasn't their time, and they were died under, you know, these uh, circumstances, and they they still they still around. Sure. They also they also have the original stairs of the building. Actually, you can actually touch it. It's actually next to the stairs that you go down. So the original stairs of the building is there. They actually cut it up, and actually they have the original stairs there. Um, they have. Uh, I mean, have you been there before? No. Uh, I you know I never been in the building. I, I don't think uh, you know I, I I don't think I would want to. I mean I would I would like to, but I think that the energy would be too much for me. They have a lot of police vehicles destroyed down there. They have it's it's humongous. Um, they have everything from EMS trucks destroyed down there. Full EMS trucks, full police cars, full. Um, we we, we are, at the Intrepid, we actually opened up an exhibit. In memory of 9/11, uh, and while I was on there, I was uh, I was asked to uh, pick up stuff uh, which was considered evidence, but lock me up, I don't care. But uh, I was uh, I had a book bag and I threw in a bunch of stuff, uh, artifacts, and pieces of metal and stuff like that. And we were able to uh, set up a, a uh, an exhibit at the Intrepid Museum in honoring 9/11. And actually, one of the mannequins had a uh, uh, the police uniform, the ESU uniform that the mannequin was wearing, belonged to my boss's son, who was there, who now is retired, uh, a cop. Uh, but uh, we got you know these uniforms, and we got these parts and papers and whatever I could put in my book bag. We had a, a window of one of the planes and stuff like that, which. We weren't supposed to be moved from there because that was evidence. But anyway, who's going to get? Who's going to come after us now? Uh, but uh, yeah, at the Intrepid, we had an exhibit. It was a pretty nice exhibit. You know, with the whole a whole wall with the buildings in the background drawn, and uh, we had the artifacts there. I'm pretty sure the Intrepid still has that stuff somewhere stored away. Um, and 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 that's what I went down there to get some, you know, stuff down there. But and is the Intrepid still there? No, the Intrepid's still there. It still lives on. You know, it went away for two years. While, while at the end of my career there, uh, it went away for two years and it, it was refitted and all that stuff. And the brand new pier was put up and uh, they came back after two years. So I had the pleasure of riding on the Intrepid, actually riding on it when it was being pulled back by tugboats from, uh, from Staten Island. So, you know. And we unveiled, actually, we were passing... Uh, Ground Zero, uh, which was at the time still under construction and everything, we unveiled a, I forgot how many feet, uh, this huge American flag, and we threw it off the side of the ship. We hung it on the side of the ship to salute uh, 
ground zero. So I remember that when we did that. So you know, I have my I have my part of history in you know in this nine eleven uh, thing that happened. Um. Wow. That's that's uh, that's actually a good story. You said that. Um. I know that there is um. There is. Um. I read this thing when I went to. I mean, the, I, I live. I live right. You know how close I live right there. So, I've gone out, passed by and stuff. But uh, you know, it's just not an area that that I want to go to every day. And what pisses me off the, of going there is that people. Uh. It's become a tourist attraction, and I understand that people want to go down and see what, but it's become like an amusement park. And the wall, you know, the, the uh, where the buildings once stood, there's a wall around it with the names. And the last time I was there, there was a guy laying down on top of the names, and his girlfriend was taking a picture of him. And he was smiling, you know, with the stupid, you know, the, the gang signs up and thing. It is stupid. You know, and that pissed me off for somebody to be laying top of, of, of names and taking a picture with gang signs, thinking it's cute. It's a it's a it's a place where people lost their lives. It's a solemn place. It's a you know, it, it's a sacred place. It's like, you know, it's like going to Pearl Harbor with the museum in Hawaii and you know, jumping around, taking pictures. It's not a fun place. It's not a place for you to take your kids and jumping all over the place and jumping on top of names and stuff. And that's what I disagree on. I understand people want to go pay the respect, but the majority of people go there, do not go there for pay respects. They go there to have fun and to see something out of curiosity. It doesn't mean shit to them. And that's what pisses me off. I know one, one, one quick story because we're running out of time, but um, I remember I was reading and they, um, most of the police officers that died there, they didn't, they didn't find their bodies or nothing. No, no. There's know, so many people missing. That, that they so found. Uh, they they found the police officers. The ones that they that they, they found. The reason why they found them is for their because of their guns. So those that had Glocks, since the Glocks are pl hard plastic and melted completely, but the ones they had, I think the Smith and Wesson. I think it's called. It's an all metal firearm. They actually found the, the firearm. Smith and Wesson. And they found by them finding the firearm and the shield, they found certain officers, obviously. But the ones that had Glocks, those are the ones that that that, that, that they never found. So it's it's crazy. Tell you one more story. My boss's uh, son was actually out there in the recovery. At the you know at first before they went through the rubble, they were trying to look for body parts and whatever. And they had a chain, you know, of passing the stuff in buckets. And in, in, in that chain of passing, whatever they found, evidence, you know, wallets, uh, whatever they found, you know, what, passing it from one another. And he was traumatized by the guy passed out a bucket to him so he could pass it to the next one. And when you looked in the bucket, there was a head. There was a head inside the bucket. You know, with dust and everything on it. Can you imagine that? You know, somebody hands you a bucket and it's a head in it. You know, and, and it has to be identified. So... You know, I, I know his, you know, I can't imagine how, I can't even start to imagine how he felt and how he feels to this day. He's retired already. God bless him. Thank God for your service. But it's tra traumatizing. My parents, you're a bucket with a head. You know, it's kind of tough. And he said particles with fingers and hands and all kind of arms and all kind of stuff were picking up. And it's crazy. All these people who worked there in the recovery, uh, you know, suffered. 
I have a friend of mine too that worked in uh, Con Edison, and they were down there too. They they did their part uh, in helping out with you know, and, and, and people came from all over the you know America, states and stuff. Crazy, so, you know, and it's something that it's been twenty two years, but it still affects us. It still does. It still affects us. It's going to take years, you know. Wow. Well, yeah. Um, it's a very sad day, but um, thank you again, Jesse, for coming in. Sure. Stopping by. Um, you were the very first episode, and actually, uh, pe um, people are always talking about you, and I actually got the most views because of you. So, oh, of course, it's, people are. Uh, I'm, I'm the main star. I'll make your show famous. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you again, Jesse, for coming in, and I appreciate you talking, you telling us your your story about 9/11 and stuff like sure. that. And, and thank you again. I appreciate everything. Most definitely, anytime you let me know, and. Uh, Oh, I just want to say in closing is, uh, you know, uh, we should we we will never let this happen again. We shouldn't let this happen again. And and uh, my sympathy and my prayers go out to those lost souls, not only 9/11 and the other two, uh, the the Pentagon and those lost in the woods in Pennsylvania, and uh, and God bless America. God bless America. All right, Jesse. Have a good night. Thank you. Okay. Good night. See Bye you soon. Uh, See you nope. soon.